All right. Well, like I said at the beginning, I'm going to attempt to do two different things tonight, which is a, a big no-no, usually. Um, we're going to talk about the series and season that we're in, and then we're going to reestablish the vision for TNL in 2020, if all goes well. may go horribly wrong, but I doubt it. Uh, so we are now in the season of Epiphany. Last time we saw each other, it was Christmas Eve. That was the end of Advent. Then we took Christmas Tide off. Christmas Tide is the second season of the church calendar. It's really short. It's 12 days long. That's where that really weird song, uh, The 12 Days of Christmas, comes from. It's not just something that someone made up about a bunch of farm animals. It is actually a season of the church calendar. It's 12 days long. That ended January 5th. Yesterday was the first day of Epiphany. Today's the second day of Epiphany, so on and so forth. Uh, Epiphany is a season of the church calendar where we reflect on, uh, we continue reflecting on Jesus as the light that has come into the world. Um, But Epiphany tries to really stress that Jesus is the light of the world for all of the world. And it's also a time to focus on the time between his birth and then his ministry that started when he was around 30. The problem is we don't have a lot of stories. Uh, We don't have a lot of information on what Jesus did between his birth and then between when he started his ministry. There's two main stories. There's the story of the Magi, or the wise men, coming to visit Jesus when he was about two. That usually gets conflated into the birth narrative, so people think that the wise men showed up uh, at the manger, and all those Advent um, nativity scenes that everyone sets out always have wise men at them. That's not what happened. Uh, Jesus was two, and the wise men came to see him. Uh, That's the main story for Epiphany, but there's also this other story of Jesus when he was 12, and he takes a trip with his family to, the, to Jerusalem to visit the temple, which was a few days' journey from where they lived. So they, they travel for a few days, they get to Jerusalem, they spend some time there. We're not sure how long, but I'm sure it was a few days, because if you just traveled a few days, you want to make the most of your time there. And then they leave, and about a day into their journey back home, Mary and Joseph look at each other, and they're like, I haven't seen our kid in 24 hours, have you? Like, no, I thought you had him. Uh, And they realize that they've left Jesus back in Jerusalem. And I don't know if it's because we're always coming out of Advent and Christmas time, but that always to me sounds like a plot to a Home Alone movie. (laughs) And Jesus gets left at the temple, and he has to build a series of obstacles and traps to to, uh, trap and prevent the bandits from, uh, you know, robbing the temple as they're want to do. Uh, It's not that far-fetched. Marv is Jewish, so it actually kind of works. Um, Anyway, so so (laughs) Jesus' parents are like, Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin! And they they hurry back to Jerusalem. They frantically search for Jesus. They can't find him for a while. And finally, they find him in the temple teaching old rabbis, this 12-year-old kid teaching rabbis. And they run up to him, I'm sure very relieved, but also like pissed. And they say, where, like, where have you been? We, we left without you. We couldn't find you. We were terrified. And he just turns to them and says, where else would I be? Which, if you're a child who doesn't uh, follow your parents for uh, at least a day, and they come and say, where have you been? Maybe the worst response is, where else would I be? <laughs> But we see here in Jesus already as a 12-year-old this, this part of his personality that, that lasts throughout the rest of his life. Jesus loves questions. Jesus loves to respond to people's questions with questions. Jesus asked 307 questions that we have record of. And he was asked 185. And of that 185, he only directly answered three. 
Most of the rest of the time, he responds with another question, like he did here to his parents when they asked where he's been. He says, where else would I be? Jesus loved questions. And questions are powerful. Questions start revolutions, and they bring down established, entrenched structures. They propel humanity forward. They can bring us to new and better places, but they can also completely upend our lives and pull the rug out from under us and knock the wind out of us. Questions can be really dangerous, and so we often push them down. We resist them. We avoid them because we want to maintain some sense of stability or or security or the status quo. But questioning is fundamental to human development and, and growth and maturity. Asking why or what if has propelled humanity to make incredible achievements and progress. Simple questions have led to miracles in technology and medicine and communication. What's out there is a question that billions of people have asked while looking at the night sky that pushes humanity further and further into creation. Questions can, can change our lives. In my own life, the simple question of what if things could be different set my life on a completely different trajectory than it was on. Those six words suddenly popped into my mind at a moment of utter darkness, and they became the sparks that lit the flames that eventually engulfed um, and, and destroyed entrenched dysfunction and addiction um, almost 13 years ago now. This tiny, tiny question completely upended my life and changed everything in the best way. Questioning is part of the human experience. Endlessly exploring and discovering, pushing and prodding, it's what we were created to do. And so to, to, to lose that sense of curiosity, to allow our questions to be doused or smothered or, or extinguished is to lose part of what it means to be human. I think when it comes to faith, more often than not, we're left with more questions than we get answers for. And that can be really unsettling and frustrating. <laughs> Especially in the day and age that we live in, um, dominated by scientism, which is a worldview that feigns certitude and makes everything seem like anything in the world that can't, we can't be absolute certain of, that can't be tested in a lab, is scoffed at and ridiculed and dismissed as ridiculous religion, even though half these people are also checking their horoscopes constantly. Um, inside the church, we have a rather dualistic history when it comes to questioning. In many ways, faith has championed the questions that have propelled humanity forward. Like, who is God? Who am I? Why are we here? What is love? What am I supposed to do with this life that I've been gifted? But the church also has an unfortunate history of suppressing and discouraging questioning, especially larger churches that wield lots of influence, because power is threatened by questions. And when power likes certainty, and when power tries to mix with faith, it tries to make faith about certainty. And if faith is about certainty, then yeah, questions are threatening. But if faith is about relationship, as we believe that it is, then questions ultimately are opportunities for growth and maturity, both of which can still be painful but are ultimately good. TNL is a place for me that has always encouraged questions since I first showed up here when I was a freshman in high school. The reality that all of us are accepted here just as we are has given me permission to ask questions. I know that I can delve into painful questions about who God is or who God isn't, what on earth all this is about, and I know I won't be ostracized, I know I won't be ridiculed or run out of town because of conclusions that I might be even just considering. I know I won't be excommunicated. I know I won't be attacked or met with fear. That's not just true for me. TNL is a safe place for you to wrestle with your questions without fear of repercussions. Even if you come to different conclusions than I do or some of us do, you won't be met with warnings or shunning for heading down that quote-unquote slippery slope 
whatever that means. I believe that truth is truth. I believe that it is bigger than any of our questions and it can withstand our questions and our prodding. Otherwise, it's probably not the truth. So, we're starting 2020 with a series delving into the questions that we all have about life and faith and God and the Bible and church, what all this means for us here, now, and today. And so this is where you all come in. We want you to submit the questions that you have, that you want to hear from me and the other pastors about on a Tuesday night and beyond a Tuesday night. And you can do that at tnl.org questions. There's a form there for you to submit a question. You can even do it anonymously if you want. You can also send us direct messages on Instagram or Facebook. You can also just email me, phil at tnl.org. Um, but you all determine what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. So please ask away. Uh, next week, we're going to start out by exploring the question, what is the Bible and what do we do with it? Uh, we talked about this last time we did a series like this in 2018, and I'm really excited to talk about it again. Um, I hope you're excited to hear about it. Uh, either way, you're going to. And if you're not, ask a different question, and maybe you will enjoy it. Um, okay, so that's Epiphany, and that's this upcoming series that we're going to start next week. With the remainder of our time tonight, I want to reestablish our vision and our mission and our identity as we enter this new year. The continued vision for TNL is for us to continue to embody a very old idea, an ancient idea that appears over and over and over again throughout Scripture uh, that really caught my attention and my imagination um, back at the beginning of 2018. Though this idea is at least 4,000 years old, it continues to be revolutionary and countercultural. And it first shows up early in the first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 12. Um, we're going to be looking at that. It is God's call to a man named Abraham. Abraham was the father and the patriarch and the founder, uh, the root source of all people who would become the nation of Israel. He's really the founder of, of anyone who follows God, including you and I. And this is God's first call to the man who established the people of God thousands of years ago. This is what God says to Abraham in Genesis 12, verses 2 through 3. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God says, I will bless you to be a blessing to the whole world. You are blessed to be a blessing. Maybe that sounds familiar probably doesn't strike you as being very revolutionary. It's certainly not flashy, but I think it's incredibly profound. Consider this. Abraham lived in the ancient Near East, in Sumner, in a culture and a time when one's tribe was everything. Your tribe was your heritage. It was your family. It was your existence. It was your identity. It was literally everything. Individuals basically didn't matter. They, varied, they mattered very, very little uh, beyond what they brought to their tribe. The point of your life was to do everything you could to not detract from your tribe and do everything that you could to expand it, to accumulate as much material wealth as you could, to have as many kids as you could, to conquer as many other tribes that threaten yours as you could. But nothing else, no one else mattered but your tribe. Everything, everything in your life was about preserving and propagating and promoting your tribe. In some ways, not a lot has changed in 4,000 years. Uh, but in this context, God's calling to Abraham is ridiculously revolutionary for a number of reasons. First, it is crazy for God to call Abraham right before this passage. He calls Abraham to leave his own tribe and start a new one, which is why he says, I will make you a great nation. He says, go out on your own, leave your tribe, 
By yourself, I will make you a great nation, which is insanity. You didn't do that. You didn't leave your tribe. That was suicide. Second, Abraham doesn't have any kids at this point. The primary way that you propagate and certainly start a tribe is through offspring. So he's saying, hey, leave your whole family behind. Go off by yourself, and I'm going to make a new tribe for you. There's more reason why uh, God's calling is revolutionary, but for our focus tonight, the most profound aspect of God's calling to Abraham um, is that the point of this new tribe that he was going to create through Abraham was that it was supposed to be the means through which God would bless all other tribes. So instead of this tribe being about themselves and propagating themselves, the point of this tribe was to bless every other tribe, to bless the entire world. That was radically innovative and a progressive idea in in the midst of the most barbaric tribal culture in the history of the world. And I think it continues to be a radical idea. This is God's call to his people. You are blessed by me to be a blessing. And this is our identity. This is the idea that God continually calls the people of Israel back to over and over and over. If you read the, the prophets in the Old Testament, it's a constant refrain. In the New Testament, it's the call that Jesus instills in his disciples over and over and over again as he t- calls them to love others as much as they love themselves. It's the picture in, in, near the end of the New Testament of what the church is meant to be, as Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 9, where he writes, We've been blessed in every way in order to be generous in every way, so that through our generosity the world would come to express thanksgiving to God. God's call to his people 4,000 years ago, over and over again throughout history, is the same for us today. We are blessed to be a blessing, to be a visible representation of God, to be the, the tangible expression of his love uh, to each other and to the world around us. The way that we express that here at TNL is through that idea of joining God to reduce suffering and increase joy. We are blessed by God so we can join him in his work to reduce suffering and increase joy in the world, in the places that we live, in the places we work, learn, and play. So what does that look like for us? That's a great saying, but what does that look like for us? What does that mean for TNL? It means that we continue to to bless each other by creating this space every week marked by grace, where we can connect to God and each other accepted just as we are, where we can be our authentic selves, and we can be reminded of what we believe, and we can grow more into the people that God created us to be. It means we continue to provide space for each other to build relationships through community dinners like we had uh, before TNL this week, Um, non-Tuesday events, um, workshops like the Rule of Life workshop that you'll be hearing about later this month, things like home groups, which you'll be hearing more about later this month, Um, continue providing places where we can connect in deeper ways to be known and know others. It means we continue to care for kids and, and families here by continuing the great kids programs that we already have. It means expanding and creating a youth ministry for high school and middle school kids. It means continuing to provide parent roundtables to discuss how to talk to your kids about complicated um, and and difficult aspects of faith. It means continuing to provide opportunities uh, for rest for caretakers through Parents' Night Out, which if you didn't know, if you didn't see on your series card, there's a Parents' Night Out coming up on the 17th where you can drop your kids off here for two hours and go do whatever you want, which sounds awesome. Uh, It means we bless one another by caring for each other's physical and practical needs through things like our Needs and Meets page on Facebook where people can post means that they have to bless someone and meet a need and other people can post the needs that they have and hope to be met. 
Joining God to reduce suffering and increase joy means we continue fostering a culture of generosity where we're shaped to be generous with all our resources, relationships, time, possessions, and money until there's no one in need among us. But it doesn't stop here. It's not just about our community. It's not just about our tribe. We're blessed to be a blessing to the world around us. So we will continue to seek ways to bless marginalized groups like uh, kids and families in the foster care system by taking them on a week of summer camp that we put on through Royal Family Kids Camp. We took a year off from that last year to try to do something different. It didn't quite go as we planned. And so this year we're going to take back up hosting a summer camp this summer for kids in foster care. And you will hear much more about that in the coming months, and we will need all of your help to make that happen in some form. Uh, some families at TNL have gone a step further, and they have become foster parents. They have adopted or are adopting, or they're regularly working with people or families in the foster care system, and we want to continue to find ways to bless them uh, as they are blessing others through the uh, foster care fund that we established as part of the Christmas campaign this past uh, month. Joining God to reduce suffering and increase joy means we continue to support uh, local and global mission work through families like the Terpstras. We continue to support the Terpstras in their work in Mozambique. That means we continue to find local opportunities for service. Um, I want to get really a lot better about that in 2020. It means finding organizations to bless by raising and giving a financial gift during the Christmas campaign every year. And it means that we have to find uh, future creative endeavors for us to integrate our life and our faith so that we can live as a blessing to others. Together, our ability to reduce suffering and increase joy for each other and for the world is, is exponentially expanded. That's right. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed so we can join God to reduce suffering and increase joy. It's not flashy, but it's revolutionary and countercultural, and it's what it means to be the people of God. I want this place to be packed out on Tuesday nights, not because we're cool, even though we are, not because we have good music, even though we do, not because we have good coffee or good teaching or good small groups or good kids ministry, but because God is here and his presence is undeniable and obvious through the ways that we care for each other and the ways that we use how we've been blessed to bless the world. Doing all of this requires all of us to be bought in to this vision. We're not nearly as big as we used to be, in case you haven't noticed. I can't do this alone. A few of us can't do this alone. It requires all of us to buy in, to stop tiptoeing around, to stop hanging out on the periphery, stop hanging out in the back of the room, figuratively and literally, and be committed and get involved. And not just committed in the community, but in, not just involved in the community, but involved financially. Um, for all of this to work in 2020, our finances have to change. If you were around in Advent or you got one of the year-end letters that we sent out last month, you've heard this. Uh, but to continue to maintain what TNL is currently doing, we have to increase our monthly giving by $1,000 a month. And to expand what we're doing and push into new endeavors like developing a youth ministry, which I feel like we like, absolutely have to do, um, we need to increase our monthly giving by $3,000 a month. So I'm asking everyone to please consider increasing your monthly giving, your monthly recurring giving by $25 to $50. Thank you to those of you who have done this already. Uh, that is really encouraging and inspiring. Um, and I've said this before, but so that you know that I'm not just standing up here asking you for money and not asking myself or my family, Michaela and I have both increased our monthly giving by $50 each this new year. 
Um, so if you don't currently give on a recurring basis, would you consider setting up a recurring gift? And if you already do, would you consider increasing that gift? You can do all of that at tnl.org slash give. Um, this is the type of request that I think it's really easy to assume everyone else is going to do so you don't have to. And uh, the problem is if everyone thinks that way, then nothing happens. So if you are hearing me say this, I'm actually asking you and not everyone else around you that if you are bought into this place and if you are on board with the work that we're, TNL is doing, will you please consider increasing your giving? And if you're not on board with what TNL is doing, let's talk about that, like seriously. Let's talk about that sooner rather than later. I am, I, my door is always open to you. I would love to talk to you about that. I want TNL to be a thriving church full of broken people caught up in what God is doing in the places that we live and work and play. I want us to be a people whose identities are rooted in God's word to his people, that we are blessed so that we can join him to reduce suffering and increase joy. This is the vision for TNL. This is who I believe God is continuing, continuing to call us to be. It's simultaneously an ancient and new call. It's rooted in history, and yet it feels fresh and innovative. It's simple, but it's challenging. It's bold. It's risky. It's scary, and it's exciting. And it's our identity. We're blessed by God so we can join him to reduce suffering and increase joy in the world. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for a new year. Thank you for a chance to um, approach uh, the coming year with fresh eyes to reestablish what we are, what we're meant to do as a community. God, thank you for everyone that, that calls this place home. Thank you for um, the immense generosity that you have fostered in this community. Even as we grow smaller, we grow more and more generous, and that blows me away. And I know that is only because of you. So God, we trust you with this coming year. We trust you to open doors for us to continue to do the work that you have called us to do. God, provide opportunities and provide energy. Provide love and grace for us to reflect to each other and to the world around us. God, we love you. Amen.